Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. At the window. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to yet another edition of At the Window here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith giving you everything you need to win your leagues and win that cash here on SportsGrid. Jared, we've seen more moves. We've seen more odds changing. We've seen more things shut down, more drama around if the draft will or will not happen. And we're realizing in these changing days, we may all have to learn how to do things in a slightly different way, whether that's remote conferencing or distance learning or if you can't have a physical because before the draft or can't meet with teams before the draft, Jared, what you can do is put out a video of yourself working. And that's exactly <laughs> with one of the biggest names going into the draft has done. And that is our lead story here on At The Window is that Tua Tagovailoa had posted a video of himself working out. But if you blinked, you may have missed it, Jared. What are your initial thoughts on this? Him posting like a 10-second video <laughs> thing, a bad thing. How should you respond in this day and age when you see Tua on film? I- I'm glad I saw him out there. I mean, I think that was definitely a positive. You're right. It was very short. We had no idea how good the throw was, if it was even accurate, because all we saw was him running to his <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it-, it, was just, it was just one of those situations where we saw him throw. And I'm glad that we did. But I just don't know. I just don't know if it's a situation where I can immediately just say, "Okay, he's ready to go. I, I, I'm ready to go all in on this guy." Yeah. So here's the thing, right? Does it matter if he's throwing? And I guess it does. But my point is, this happened in what November, Jared? Right? Like, we what are we supposed to expect at this point in his rehab? You know, like the question is, will a team spend the significant draft capital? 
that it takes with their kind of reputation on the line. If you get this wrong, you're set back for years, right? We've seen it with Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. I think we're seeing it right now with Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago. So do you think a team is going to make the investment, whether that's taking him in the top five or trading up to go get a guy like Tua? I, I think both teams, both the or both the Dodgers, uh, both the Chargers, speaking of L.A., uh, and the Dolphins are both in very intriguing positions right now. I think both teams have enough draft capital. They have enough kind of direction with their franchise to know that one of these two guys is probably going to change the course of the franchise, either for positive or negative, uh, over the next five to ten years. The thing that we don't know and the thing that we have to handicap is which team likes which guy better. You would imagine that Tua is the choice, but there could be some run on Justin Herbert because he has had a pro day. He had a much healthier 2020 campaign, and he also is a guy that showed some moxie in the Rose Bowl. I like what I saw from Herbert in that Rose Bowl. Now, Oregon's team as a whole, I thought, didn't help his case last year. Mario Cristobal is a very offensive uh, line coach at heart. So he's not a guy that really decided to showcase Herbert. I thought Oregon's game plans were a little vanilla at times last season, while or, while Alabama really showcased Tua at, at any stage that they could until he got hurt. So I think Alabama kind of put him in a better chance to succeed. But Herbert is an interesting case. And who knows, maybe the Chargers really like Herbert, and they're okay with sitting at six and taking Herbert and then using the rest of their draft capital as allocated. The Dolphins certainly have more first-round picks, they could actually make the move up to one if they really like Joe Burrow. That seems like a stretch to me. But I wouldn't be surprised if both these teams just held firm and took the guys in their spots. Listen, Jared, you have heard me before on this network. Everybody has heard me before say, I actually think Justin Herbert will be the best quarterback coming out of this draft in terms of his NFL career. I think he is the blue chip guy that people forget. There's someone like that every single year. And I've said the Chargers may be happy to have him fall in their lap at number six. But we can make money, Jared, on this idea of fading Tua. Right now, our partners on fans will have an over-under prop on his draft position at two and a half. Granted, there is ridiculous juice on the over, right, which would mean at pick three or later. But the way I see it is this is a prop bet on will Washington trade out of the number yeah. two spot, right? Because it will take a team, I think, to want to hop Miami, hop the Chargers, or a kind of who will blink first game of chicken cold war between Miami and the Chargers to see do they go up to, say, three or four with Detroit and the Giants, or do they ensure that they can have their first bite at the apple by going all the way up to two? I, in fact, think it's really about what Washington wants to do for this bet specifically, and with new head coach Ron Rivera, new defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, I think they are very, very excited and happy to have, by many accounts, the best player overall in the draft, Chase Young, be ready and willing and able for them right there at number two. They've made moves recently to dictate that they will, in fact, look like trust Dwayne Haskins for at least another year under this new regime. And so that, to me, means there is no way Tua is one of the first two people that hear their names called. The question is, for sports investors out there, Jared, are you willing to lay minus three bills on it? I personally am because I think it's a lock. 
And I am not one of those people that believe that a minus in front of a pick means there's no value there. I think, to me, the question is, what is the chance that Washington says we don't want Chase Young? And I don't think that is a high probability. Uh, I, I do agree with everything that you said about Chase Young's prospects in the NFL. I think he's the best overall player top to bottom in this draft, and I think he should and will be taken with the number two pick. The thing that could throw all of this out the window is if somebody is in love with Tua or Herbert and they want to take him one past Burrow. I don't think that's going to happen either. So I, I think Tua is a great prospect. There's a little bit of a question mark around his health, and that's why I think he's going to be taken third or later. And that's why I think that pick of the over two and a half at minus 300 is almost a virtual lock at this point. And if, and if you do have some capital, if you're stashing some cash right now, I think it's a good way to go. Listen, I'm continuing to use this platform, Jared, to convince you about the Chargers doing things <laughs> the right way, whether it's their defense or me telling you that he may be the choice if they just sit pat at six. It's very possible. Let me tell you something, though, that Joe Ranieri and I were talking about a little bit earlier on, okay? And, you know, uh, we talked about uh, the Detroit Lions at three, and we talk about how they're open for business, right? We posed another scenario. Many people have talked about Matthew Stafford getting up in age and how teams need to be, you know, early and plan for this. Everyone from Pittsburgh to the Giants to New England. And, you know, when that wave goes, we're talking about elder statesmen like Matthew Stafford. I also want to remind you that the Chicago Bears moved up from three to two a few years ago to get Mitchell Trubisky, right? And when you talk about the Cold War aspect of it all, right, just so that no one else can hop you, could there be a universe where the team that does move up to two that wouldn't have to pay a huge price could be the Detroit Lions? That would be something. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think if Detroit decides it's time to make a move at quarterback, uh, this is the draft to do it. Because you're right. They do have an opportunity at three to even take Tua. Uh, because you would think, because you would think that, yeah, like they, they might not need to get up to two to take the quarterback of the future that they want. That's right. And then all the other dominoes fall in line, and either Miami or the Chargers are left holding the bag, and that's when certain phones around the NFL start to ring. Let me spin it for you for you another way, Jared, okay? And we're trying to make a little bit of cash here in these times, whether you want to put it in cash or put it in futures in whatever market it is, whether it be soybeans or, in this case, Jared, the offensive rookie of the year. Hmm. You're thinking about now... Maybe there's reasons because of a red shirt year, right? Or uh, Tua not being fully ha healthy, the situations people are in. I draw your attention to our friends at FanDuel and the offensive rookie of the year. It sounds like you don't necessarily believe Joe Burrow is the number one rated overall player on the board. You don't necessarily believe that Tua's health is 100% locked in or even that the team that drafts him has any intention of running him out there in week one, right? So when I look at these odds, Burrow is a 250 plus, a plus 250 favorite. Then you have Tua. Then you have quarterbacks that may start like Justin Herbert or the running back position, guys like Swift or Taylor. Who do you think could be in best position given a 
fit to truly blow up in year one. Who's going to have the best year? I'll tell you what. If the Chargers draft Justin Herbert, right, and if he's the starter on day one with that defense and those weapons, 13-1 to 1, Justin Herbert doesn't sound too bad. First of all, I think a quarterback in this spot makes sense especially if it's a quarterback on a team that has a chance to win. Last year it was Josh Jacobs, so last year it was certainly, you know. Three years before that, the running back sometimes has an easier path. That's true. That's true. I think the question I would have to ask, though, is which teams these players are on. This is a hard thing to predict now, knowing that we don't know which teams these players are going to be on. These odds are going to change immensely after the draft. Yeah. Because let's say a guy like Jonathan Taylor goes to a team like, I don't know, the Ravens or something like that. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you no. put him on a team that is already equipped with an immediate plus rushing offense. Yes, Jonathan Taylor is going to have a great season because he is an, one of the best running backs in the history of college football. Uh, and he is on a team now with an elite running game and an elite quarterback. If you put him on a team like the Bengals with a first round pick uh, at quarterback who have a little bit of uncertainty at their offensive line and in other spots, then it's really hard to give him that nod. So I think a lot of this is dependent on which players uh, link up with which teams. But I'll tell you what, Herbert at 13-1, to I can see a future with him on the Chargers and him playing really well in year one. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. You know, we lean quarterbacks, generally speaking, in these awards, right? Um, but it depends on who has the path to production and fantasy statuses. You know, these are the guys you're going to be thinking about in dynasty leagues to stash away, right? But the running backs are the ones who usually kind of emerge right off the bat, you know, and one of the points we've made before, right, is the game translates a little bit more for the running back position than say a wide receiver, than say a tight end, or even an offensive lineman, right, Jared? 100%. Um, I, I think, I, I mean, actually, the wide receivers on this list are intriguing as well. Uh, it, it, the running backs, I'm not surprised that you see Swift and Taylor as, as two of the top four names on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do definitely think, Swift, I, I don't know enough about where Swift might go and where Taylor might go to really make an accurate description. I would say running back right now would be my initial lean here because we're unsure about the health of Tua. I don't think Burrow is going to play enough right out of the gate. At least we don't know uh, if he does go to Cincinnati, what that situation is going to be with Andy Dalton. And then Herbert obviously is a massive wild card because we don't know which team he's going to be on either. So I, I, I would say right now, I'm not surprised to see two running backs in the top four. Uh, the running backs and the wide receivers might have a significant edge because they would theoretically be playing on better teams, especially the running backs. The running backs could go in the second or third round of this draft, and they could go to contenders. I mean, they could go to you know Super Bowl right. title contenders. So uh, I, I would say the running backs right now would be my lean. All right, fair enough. Funny when you look at the defensive rookie of the year, five to one for Chase Young, then a big time gap. Jared, one of the things we were talking about is what the Detroit Lions could do could they go get the quarterback right could they have a high-end talent fall into their lap and our friends over at FanDuel you know we talk about um certain leans one way or the other what you think on the board on Tua one of the things I've told you earlier this week was you know they had the worst pass defense in the entire NFL right they traded away Darius Slay their number one cornerback right and then you can make a bet on FanDuel, the number one pick overall, the number two pick overall. And to do number one, we're all penciling in Joe Burrow, minus 3,500. I'm not doing that. Number two, there's Chase Young and Tua. I think betting on the number three pick 
is very, very interesting. So I want to kind of hold your feet to the flame on Detroit actually, you know, succession planning for Matthew Stafford versus the need they may get. Tua is the favorite for the number three pick. So that would mean, yeah, maybe the Detroit Lions are looking a little bit to the future, or maybe that is the trade partner. Then you have the second choice, Jeff Akuda, who is the cornerback from Ohio State. We've talked about it. You know, probably the second best defensive player in this draft, along with Isaiah Simmons, the person not named Chase Young. Where do you think, ultimately, what does Detroit do? I've asked you to put the GM hat on before. If you're Detroit, do you trade it? Do you go with the quarterback of the future? Or you build on the defensive side of the ball? If I'm Matt Patricia, I know that I just traded away Darius Slay. And I know that I've had massive issues in the secondary. And I know I've had massive issues on the defensive side of the ball. And I know I'm a defensive coach. So that would lead me to believe that they are going to go with Jeff Bakuda. And I think that's a very smart pick. But I'll take it one further. I'm looking at some interesting odds right now on FanDuel. The first three picks in exact order. Ooh. Burrow Young Tua is even money. Burrow Young Okuda is plus 220. Hmm. So... Right now, and again, you mentioned it, the number three pick. Right now, the favorite is Tua. That would lead me to believe that there's some talk of the Lions either moving out of three or taking Tua with the third pick. I think the former has a better chance of happening. I think the Lions know that if they trade with the Chargers or the Dolphins and they drop back to five or six, they can, they still, can, still, get they can still get a Cuda and pick up some capital. I think... And I also think the Giants are an intriguing trade partner as well. Because right now, the Giants' biggest need is offensive tackle. Right. There's four of them that are basically stud, can't-miss, right-tackle prospects. Right. Uh, we talked about them earlier this week. The Giants could trade from four back to five or six, still get one of those offensive tackles, pick up a little bit of draft capital, and make everybody happy. Because then the Chargers or the Dolphins, theoretically, will be moving up to get their guy. To me, the, the part of this that we can't handicap is the difference between how the Chargers feel about Tua compared to how the Dolphins feel about Tua and vice versa about Justin Herbert. Do the Chargers or the Dolphins, do they think that those two quarterbacks are interchangeable? Probably not. Each team probably has their guy. My guess is each team probably has the same guy. My guess is each team probably really likes Tua more than Herbert. That's just my guess. I don't know that for a fact. I'm not in these war rooms. But if that's the case, we talked about it. The, the cold war, the bidding war that could happen between now and whenever the draft does take place of where these teams are going to slot. Maybe one team gets to four, and then the other team says, nope, I'm going to three. I mean, it, it could be one of those type of one-up scenarios, and it is going to be absolutely fascinating on draft night to see how this plays out. It's an arms race, as it always is. Winston Mariota, one, two. Goff, Wentz, that's how it goes. You go up as far as you can. At this point of the calendar, Jared, before the NFL draft, you're really one of two teams. Either you have the quarterback or you're going to get the quarterback. You're not going up for the offensive lineman. But in any event, Jared and I will continue to break it down. This is at the window. When we come back on the other side of the break, Jared, we're going to talk about if and when the draft is going to go on as scheduled and what will it look like if and when it does. That's what we're going to talk about. Come on back on the other side of the break. It's at the window, Dane and Jared. If you want the edge, get on the grid. (laughs) 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my <laughs> Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true with new available tech. This legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals. When you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota let's go places. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back, everybody, to At The Window. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith here holding you down on SportsGrid, giving everybody the edge they need in these times. Many people are, you know, staying at home. Well, you got something to do. You can still find ways to get ahead of the curve here and uh, get the edge. That's what we're doing here. We were talking about kind of the draft, ways to make money on the top part of the draft, what Tua's position would be, what the number three pick would be, how you can find some inefficiencies in the market. But Jared, you know, one of the things that we've heard recently is, you know, not all the GMs around the NFL are, you know, kind of on board with the draft happening 
in the first place, right? We've heard first that it's not going to be this big Vegas event. It won't be the fashion show with the guys walking across the red carpet at the Bellagio. But now, you know, we've heard that there are some general managers out there. The subcommittee actually voted unanimously to postpone it a little bit because, as we've discussed, you know, physicals are tough right now. Travel is tough right now. Having those kind of team meetings in the same room with each other is very tough right now. What kind of impact does this have on the draft and what do you think is you know ultimately going to happen here massive impact Dane I think the key for me right now is to hear something thrown away around as unanimous right and and that's that's a powerful word in the NFL it's not often that teams are lining up unanimously to vote in one direction for an issue and I, I think there's even some smaller owners that are kind of on par with this being moved in some capacity however the big power brokers, the Jerry Joneses, the Robert Krafts, the Maras, they're kind of running the NFL, for lack of a better word. They want this thing to go off at the end of April as planned. I'm a little bit concerned, though, based on the rhetoric that we're starting to hear. And again, we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. It's not going to air until Thursday or Friday at, at, at the absolute latest. So we don't know by then if we do hear news. Our expectation right now is we're handicapping this as a late April draft. If that changes, what that does, Dane, is it starts to put the rest of the league calendar in jeopardy. Because if you push the draft back to May or June and you don't get these rookies in camp until July, you really can't have an August training camp with preseason games. It makes things very squeezed. And we're already seeing it with baseball. Their spring training has been basically totally eradicated, and we're going to get a new spring training at some point later this summer. And we don't know when that season's going to start as well. We could hear news on that this week as well. We're just kind of in limbo right now. But the way we're handicapping this still, the good news about it, to attack the by low is probably going to get taken the same whether the draft happens in April or in May. I don't think where these players get taken will get impacted that much. However, the rest of the league calendar could certainly be in flux if this draft gets pushed back. All right, so... You know I am a cynical New Yorker. We just posted on social media at SportsGrid that I'm hanging outside my fire escape, you know, right before we get on to discuss this, what we have to. Let me ask you this, okay? You said unanimous, this, like, subcommittee of the GMs. What do you think is truly motivating the GMs? Is it the public health concern, or is it the risk to their hit rate as a general manager in the first and second round when they have limited information, right? They can't interview these kids. They don't have top 30 visits. The many of them not having pro days. This is limited information for these general managers to go in, and it is their jobs, their reputations on the line to like get it right. In two or three years, when the beat reporter does the article on the GM on the hot seat, they're not going to talk about the context of this draft. They're going to say, and four of the draft picks from this draft are no longer on the roster. Okay, so how about this? And yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday, but this is a question for your opinion, regardless of when this happens. Do you think what's motivating this is really respect for the process and the public health concern that's out there or their own reputation? I I think it's the public health concern. I think it's the fact that the facilities are closed. Everything is closed. I mean, we're going through it. You know, both of us live in New York City. We both understand the the kind of adaptation our lives are going through right now. And I don't mean to be like a doomsday prophecist, but it's not like we're just going to wake up one day and this is going to be gone and everyone's going to go back to normal life. This is going to be months of a new normal. And, you know, I, I think the NFL is not immune from that in terms of how these teams operate 
how the facilities stay open, what they're going to, what the travel, I think the travel to me is the biggest part of this. You're asking all of these teams and when these players get drafted, what's the first thing they do after they get drafted? They get on a plane, they fly to the team facility, they do their little signing where they're in the room and they're meeting all the coaches and the players. You can't do that right now. You know, you can't have these guys getting on planes and flying all over the country. So the entire process that we're used to going through, it is a new normal. Everything has to be changed. I vote yes with the GMs. I agree. I'm on the side of the GMs here. I, I do think the draft needs to be moved. Uh, I don't know if it will be, but I do think it needs to be moved. I think we need to respect the process of this public health crisis, and we need to let things... I mean. This is going to be happening in April, Dane. Apparently, according uh, to some of the sources we're hearing here in New York, especially Governor Cuomo, who's been incredible getting on the front lines of this, that's when the peak of this virus is going to be sweeping through New York City. It's kind of distasteful to be having an NFL spectacle like this right in the peak of this virus. So I, I do think that's why everything was canceled until June at the earliest with a lot of these NBA teams and NHL teams. And I think the NFL should heed that call. Right now, the NFL is open for business. It's been great for us, but I think it's a bit of a bad look if they do have this draft on schedule at the end of April. All right. It's once again time, Jared, to put your general manager of Sports Grid hat on. Okay. Um, we have talked about this draft process before. And one of the things you have said is we see the player on tape, right? So all the general managers still have access to these players on tape. And then what happens is the combine, what happens are pro days, what happens are team meetings, what happens are interviews. What do you put more stock in as the general manager of SportsGrid? The tape we see on a guy like Tua, well, he's maybe a bad example because of the health, right? Sure. But a guy you see on tape, like an offensive lineman, like an Andrew Thomas from Georgia or an Isaiah Simmons, right? You can't bring him in. You can't have your doctors check him out. You can't have, you know, but you do have the tape. What do you put more stock in? Good question. I, I think in the pre-draft process, which is right now, I, I think the interviews are more important. Really? Uh, I, I think the tape is the PK, tape, especially, especially with offensive linemen. The Pete Carroll, that, that moved the lever for him? Yeah. I think it absolutely did. I mean, if you were going to tell me that DK Metcalf – didn't turn off some teams or turn on some teams, not not literally Pete Carroll, although he might have been turned on by uh, seeing DK without a shirt. Who knows? He might have been very excited about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think DK probably turned off some teams with that as well. Uh, some teams that maybe have a little bit of a weaker locker room, a weaker head coach that can't handle that kind of personality. And on the flip side of that, I think some teams might be turned off by the fact that Justin Herbert's been a little quieter of a demeanor, a little, you know, Burrow's more of a outspoken, charismatic person, uh, you know, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, to me, the personality is almost more important than the tape because how they handle the room, how they handle the huddle is paramount in how they can lead a team. Offensive lineman, the tape is the tape. Is he big? Can he pump out a lot of weights? And can he move his feet? Those things are pretty set in stone. I think the tape kind of dictates that, and you're not going to get a lot of discrepancy with how grades are handed out with offensive linemen. Where the offensive lineman is different is in that room. Is this guy going to be a mentally strong person? I think we saw that a little bit uh, with some of the offensive linemen that we've seen in the past. I mean, Eric Flowers, he was a mental midget at times uh, when he was drafted in the first round by the Giants, and he got shipped out of town. But he was a can't-miss prospect on paper, 
but obviously there was some disconnect in the locker room. So I, I do think the interview process is vital. One of the interesting markets, though, Jared, in this draft, and we've talked about it previously on At The Window here on SportsGrid, is the wide receiver market. We talked about so many different uh, wide receivers that are coming out this year that, you know, have grades in the top two or three rounds. We talked about some of the biggest names and their potential fits previously on At The Window. But my point also is that if you have just tape to look at right now, instead of team meetings, instead of pro days, instead of official free agent visits, then I'm more likely to go trust the tape at the NFL level than at the college level. And some of these teams that we have previously discussed that were in the wide receiver market have recently instead addressed their needs in the free agent wide receiver market. No shortage of moves over the last 48 hours in the wide receiver market, Jared. And we start with who we had when you were the GM at the top of your wide receiver kind of wish list, Robbie Anderson. You and I are Jets fans. He is no longer a Jet. Moving on, it is the Carolina Panthers that signed him two years, $20 million, and Jared what do you know? Another example of our kind of lessons in the offseason. Matt Rule, head coach of Temple previously. Robbie Anderson, undrafted free agent from Temple University. It happens again. First, what do you think about the signing and the fit going back to familiarity? I think it's a good signing. Uh, again, you've got P.J. Walker now uh, and Robbie Anderson. So the 2015 Boca Raton Bowl champion Temple Owls. <laughs> Uh, are very well represented with Matt Rule as the head coach uh, on the Carolina Panthers right now. Uh, I will say this about the Jets. People asked me yesterday, I was listening to some sports talk radio here in the city after we heard that, that he had signed with Carolina. It, it wasn't like outrage that Joe Douglas didn't sign him for two years and $20 million. I think the Jets got the most that they possibly could out of Robbie Anderson as an undrafted free agent with basically no upside coming out of college. And they squeezed, the, I don't want to say all pro or pro bowl, but a pretty decent wide receiver career out of him with the Jets. And what does New York turn around and do right after they, they, they lose out on Anderson? Well, they go sign Brashad Perriman, who I think is another young up-and-coming receiver who had a lot more upside than Anderson did coming out of college as a first-round pick uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. Things didn't quite work out in Baltimore they weren't bad in Tampa at the end of last season. I think Tampa's going to miss Perriman a little bit more than the Jets could miss Robbie Anderson uh, because, to me, Perriman slots into that little position where now he hopefully builds a rapport with Sam Darnold. But to me, Jamison Crowder was the bigger kind of keep for the Jets this year. I loved what I saw with Crowder and Darnold last season. He's that safety net. He's that safety valve for Darnold coming out of the slot. So you got Crowder back. You add Perriman to the mix. And theoretically, we talked about it a little bit earlier this week. We don't necessarily think, Dane, that the Jets need to draft a wide receiver at 11. I would prefer one of these blue chip tackles because there's a lot more depth later in the draft at wide receiver. The Jets have a second round pick and they have two third round picks. That's when you can address a little bit more depth at the wide receiver position. I'm happy with how the Jets rebounded with Perriman and the position that they're in to add to their wide receiver core in the draft. Yeah, and you know what's interesting with these two signings here, Robbie Anderson and Bashard Perryman, you know, many people liken them similar profile of the kind of wide receiver that they are, similar age and similar contract structure. I think as I put my fantasy hat on, Jared, you know, I think they moved in opposite directions in terms of their potential for fantasy production, right? Bashard Perryman for example, was with Tampa Bay having his quasi-breakout after being a first-round pick, but that only happened after 
Mike Evans went down after Chris Godwin went down. He was the third, fourth option for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. He now moves to the New York Jets, where there is a vacancy at the number one wide receiver with the targets that come along with it, right? You mentioned Jamison Crowder. He had a game of like 14 catches or 17 targets when they were, you know, in vibe together and both healthy for the Jets last year. But Brashard Perryman becomes that outside wide receiver. And regardless of what the Jets do in the draft, I agree with you. I think they should use not the first round pick, but one of their four picks in the top three rounds to address that need and complete the wide receiver room. But I think Rashad Perryman's kind of fantasy stock improves. On the flip side, Robbie Anderson moves from being the number one wide receiver. You talked about a fringe Pro Bowl caliber player because of the production he put up in that offense with the amount of attention he was receiving from Sam Darnold with what he was building with Sam Darnold. He now moves to the Carolina Panthers where I don't care who the head coach was. I don't care what his, you know, opportunity and familiarity and previous relationship is. He is probably going to play the role of this wide receiver that takes the top off a defense that is somewhat of a decoy that will get his, you know, two for 107 and a touchdown lines, but will also get lines uh, that are disappointing to your fantasy team, okay? And when you look at Carolina, Christian McCaffrey is a true workhorse bell cow for that offense. DJ Moore is ascending. Curtis Samuel is a piece in that offense. Robbie Anderson slides in, albeit with a very important role and an improving skill set as the fourth or fifth option. So when last year and in years past for the New York Jets, he was a wide receiver two or three in fantasy. I don't know that he's necessarily startable in fantasy. So kind of in some ways, not only do the Jets make out but in the kind of production and fantasy, Brashard Perryman, I think, makes out because of the fit. I agree. And, and, and again, I think Crowder and Perryman together play off well uh, because Crowder is an underneath guy. He's not really a deep threat. He's kind of a slot guy. He can get you deep. Uh, but he is more of a guy that's going to eat up targets uh, where Perriman is a guy that's going to stretch the field. We saw that very well with Jameis Winston last year. And, hey, if Jameis Winston can 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 find Brashad Perriman, Sam Darnold can too. I mean, Darnold throws the deep ball very well. Uh, and, and, again, keep Darnold upright. Address the offensive line. Joe Douglas has spent about, I don't know, 1,300 pounds they brought in uh, of offensive linemen free agents uh, this offseason. Great. Keep adding to that in the draft. Becton, Willis. Werfs, probably Werfs will be off the board, but one of these guys is going to be there at 11, hopefully, and that is your blue chip right tackle in addition to the entire renovation you've made at center, at right guard. Basically, the entire offensive line is going to be fresh for the Jets next season, which is a breath of fresh air because the key for Gang Green to be healthy is to keep Sam Darnold upright. If he's upright, the Jets have a very bright future because they've got weapons in tow, and oh, by the way, Le'Veon Bell is still on the team. So there are a ton of toys for Sam Darnold to implement. You would hope Adam Gase can put him in the right place. And going forward, if this offensive line is remade, I love that defense. I mean, to me, the Jets defense, you know, it was a little underrated last season, and they made every signing possible to kind of keep these defensive guys in tow. And Greg Williams, of course, uh, a great defensive coordinator. Jets might be a surprise team. That win total six and a half. I know I'm an optimist, a hopeless romantic when it comes to my Jets. But six and a half seems a little underpriced for a team with an elite quarterback and a remade offensive line and a solid defense. An elite quarterback, my man, Jared Smith, just called Sam Darnold. I'm a Jets fan. 
But, you know, let's see. He was getting over mono only about six months ago. We're all getting over different things right now. And we understand that that's why we are still here bringing you the content that you need on SportsGrid. If you want the edge, get on the grid. Come on right back. It's at the window, Dane and Jared. We have more looks at the NFL after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, dance bro. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander, with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer, check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase.
All right, everyone, welcome back to At The Window here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith pouring you around the NFL. And what we're doing, we're talking about the wide receiver market. There were two very interesting signings kind of at the top of the wish list, you know, as we move along in this process. Robbie Anderson and Bashad Perryman signing with the Panthers and the Jets, respectively. But those weren't the only wide receiver uh, names to kind of go off the free agent board, Jared. There's another signing that we want to discuss here. First of all, Devin Funches signs with the Green Bay Packers. I think this is very interesting. Jared, you know, we've talked about the XYZ affair before. One of the things the Green Bay Packers did was lose Jimmy Graham, right, mm-hmm. in the offseason already. So when you talk about Devontae Adams and you know there was already a ton of kind of attention paid that way, but this does in fact give Aaron Rodgers another red zone target as he kind of, you know, enters the, uh, you know, the last few holes of his career. All the talk is about Rivers and Breeze and Brady and Big Ben and some of these older quarterbacks. I always, and we talked about it earlier in the show, I'm thinking about guys like Aaron Rodgers. I'm thinking about guys like Matthew Stafford. I'm thinking about guys like Matt Ryan, what they need to do with the remaining parts of their career to get weapons and get protected. And Devin Funches provides that a little bit for the Green Bay Packers. And it's interesting, Dane, because we, we haven't talked, you know, during these free agent discussions uh, that we've had a lot of over the last couple of weeks. We haven't talked a lot about the big teams, the big quarterbacks, because usually those are the teams that kind of hang back in free agency because they had successful seasons last year and they don't have as many holes to fill. I don't think the Packers are in that category. I, I think the Packers did have a massive hole at wide receiver. Uh, it's Devontae Adams and everyone else. I mean, do you really trust you know, Alan Lazard to be that next great wide receiver for the Packers, a guy that you really didn't even know who existed uh, until about midseason last year? I think what Funches does is he kind of fills two spots. Yes, he gives them some depth in the wide receiver room, but as you mentioned, no Jimmy Graham. And how much does Aaron Rodgers love finding tight ends? And he certainly does. It goes back to even the Brett Favre days with Mark Chamora. Packers and tight ends have always been a thing. And I think right now with Green Bay, Funches, 6'4", 225. He's had some really good seasons with Carolina. Injury plagued year last year with the Colts. If he bounces back and he's healthy, he gives Rodgers an immediate upgrade in the red zone. Yeah, it was a collarbone last year. But if he can stay healthy, he can absolutely be a productive wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. We are not done, though, Jared. There was another signing uh, recently. The Seattle Seahawks go ahead and sign Philip Dorsett to a one-year deal. This is a different kind of wide receiver, Jared, than Devin Funches. That is to be sure, right? So what do you think kind of role can Philip Dorsett actually play with the Seattle Seahawks? They already have a Tyler Lockett. They already have a DK Metcalf, who we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. Where do you think Dorsett fits in? I think he fits in very well. I mean, I kind of liken him a little bit to Lockett's game, smaller, 5'10", you know, 200 pounds, probably soaking wet. Uh, Had a couple of interesting seasons with New England. Uh, Never really kind of meshed with that Patriots offense. He was kind of just like a weapon that they would put out there in random spots. He never really found that elite chemistry with Tom Brady. Granted, Tom didn't find a whole lot of chemistry uh, with any Patriot wide receivers last season. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons uh, why he's in Tampa Bay right now. But what I see with Dorsett is another game-breaking talent on this Seattle Seahawks offense, which is now going to be really focused on DK Metcalf. Obviously, Metcalf emerged at the end of last season as that number one wide receiver that Seahawks fans have been craving. And he certainly has the physical tools to be just that. 
We'll see if he can continue to grow from a mental standpoint. But obviously, Tyler Lockett's very talented. And now you add a guy in Dorsett who's kind of like a Phillip, uh, you know, a kid, kind of like a Tyler Lockett Jr. there. He's got similar tools, has the ability for some game-breaking plays, and they can move him around a little bit. The running back position obviously is going to be a massive question. Marshawn Lynch, we don't know if he's going to come back. Probably not. They have Rashad Penny, who's also uh, in an interesting situation as well, and Chris Carson. Injury. Exactly. So you can use Dorsett as kind of like that scat Swiss Army knife wide receiver, similar to how they use uh, uh, Lockett as well, where they kind of move him around the offense a little bit. So I like the move for Seattle. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, We just named three wide receivers, and we just talked about doubts of three Seattle Seahawks running backs. What does that mean when I ask you the rest of free agency and the draft? And what does that mean for the identity, Jared, of the Seattle Seahawks? This is one of the more run-heavy teams in the NFL. This has been running and then Russell Wilson making plays. Is this a team that is evolving more to the passing game when they see Russell Wilson uh, be the third choice for MVP? Could they be putting more on Russell Wilson in the pass game? Or do you think this team remains with their identity, something you've talked about, consistency, identity being even more important? What is the identity of the Seattle Seahawks? Is it changing, Jared? I think it is, and I think we saw them remake their offensive line a little bit. They brought in Brandon Shell from the Jets uh, to play right tackle, and I think that is a huge coup uh, for this Seattle Seahawks team because I think what it shows me is that this Seahawks team is now a little bit more worried about the right tackle position, which is an offensive passing position, uh, than a right guard or center or left guard position. I think the rest of their offensive line needs a little bit of work as well, but I think right now what you've got with Russell Wilson Wilson's been around the block. I mean, this is what a seventh, sixth, seventh year in the NFL. Not, a, he, yeah, he he's not a rookie anymore. He's kind of getting to that to the turn, as they say, where he's approaching the back nine of his career. So they don't want him to be this guy that runs around and makes all these crazy plays. They want to build around the passing game. Russell has shown that when he has time in the pocket, he can make elite level throws. Uh, down the field. And I think DK Metcalf is going to be a big emergence uh, as he continues to mesh into the Seahawks offense. But I think what you're seeing with Seattle is a little bit of that identity crisis. I think that's a good call. You know what's so interesting to me? Okay, normally, Jared, when we have a quarterback and you're talking about them after the turn, right, what offenses do is Support them more in the running game. Look at what happened with Tom Brady as they evolved with New England. More of the running game. Drew Brees, as he got older, they put more focus on the running game over the last few years, right? More of the running game, more of the defense. I find it very interesting that when you say because Russell Wilson has been a master at schoolyard football for the better part of a decade, that the way to support him on the back nine is a completely different way than what we see with these pocket quarterbacks. I wonder if that's in vogue, you know, if that will happen uh, towards the end of Deshaun Watson's career, to the end of Patrick Mahomes' career, to the end of Kyler Murray's career. Talk to me a little bit about what you see, this big picture idea of where the league is going at quarterback now. When you think about the dual threat quarterbacks uh, versus these pocket passers that are still kind of hanging on and getting new contracts, where is this league going? Well, I think the key is is where the offenses have gone. Right. Uh, 
running games are kind of a thing of the past. And, you know, to just base your entire offense on, hey, we're going to set up the run and then we're going to throw play action on second and third downs. And we're going to, no, this is how you win in the NFL. You throw on first down. That is how you win in the NFL. You run play action on first down. And then maybe second down is your, if I want to run, check with me. Let's see what the defense does. And then third down, most likely, unless it's third and short, is always a pass. So I I just, I I think the NFL is going towards a pass half. I mean, it's gone towards. It's not going. It is there right now. So just to say, all right, well, this quarterback's getting older. Let's just surround him with a really good offensive line and two really good running backs and let him just hand it off, you know, most more often than not. That doesn't work in the NFL anymore, Dane. You have to stay active and nimble in the passing game. And what the Seahawks are starting to do is they're starting to realize that we have to build around Russell Wilson in the wide receiver position. The running back position, they're a dime a dozen. You saw Chris Carson. You saw Rashad Penny. You saw Marshawn Lynch in the playoffs last year. These guys are a dime a dozen. But you need to continue to build weapons in the passing game. And regardless of how old or how young a quarterback is, Those weapons need to be solid, and they need to be deep, and they need to be healthy. And that's something we haven't been able to see on a consistent basis with a lot of these teams. Seattle's had tons, tons of injury issues at wide receiver over their past, and now they got just a little bit uh, of depth there with Dorsett. Yeah, it's so interesting, Jared. You know, as we talk about the evolution of the NFL, the value of certain positions, whether it be the tackle position, the cornerback position, the edge rusher, Right. And the devaluing of some other positions, whether that be the fullback, the three down middle linebacker, like Tequil spikes or the running back position in contracts. And Jared, as we've talked about earlier on at the window, the idea of the over under on how many running backs will be drafted in the first round. We see it all over the place in the NFL and we will continue to break it down for you here on at the window, giving you the edge you need on the grid, sportsgrid.com. But Jared, you know, we've been talking about the NFL a lot lately, right? But there is also news in other places as we're in this kind of pause in the sports world. And one of the things that came down, big headlines from New York, but for the baseball teams is New York Mets starter, Noah Syndergaard. They call him Thor here in New York. He's going down. He is going to have Tommy John surgery. Um, They've announced it over the last couple of days, and that takes away all of 2020, regardless of how many games is played and what the season looks like, even into 2021. What do you do here? Do you think this is the right call to just get it done now, given the time we're in? And what's the impact on the New York Mets? I mean, I think going forward, the impact is not going to be as broad as we think. Uh, I am not a Noah Syndergaard fan. Uh, I'm not a Mets fan, but in terms of the way that he goes about his business, I think it's it's been selfish in the past, and there's been some issues with the with not only the front office but the training staff. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Dane, but in 2017, the Mets asked him to get an MRI on his arm after leaving a start, and he said no. Yep. He said no. When your training staff of the team you play for says get an MRI because we think your arm is hurt and you say, no, I'm good, that's a bigger issue to me than just, all right, he's hurt. To me, that is an underlying disconnect with him and the training staff and the front office of the team that he plays for. Do I feel bad for him that he got hurt and he's going to miss some time? Yes. Obviously, I don't wish ill will on any player or human being, especially in these very trying times that we are living in. However, what I see with Noah Syndergaard is a bit of, you know, immaturity, 
uh, in the way that he's handled his body over the last few years. And I don't want to say that this is karma, uh, but I think this was inevitable uh, because of just the way that he has handled uh, not only his workout routine, but his offseason routine as well. He has repeatedly come in a bit bulkier than teams have wanted, than his training staff has wanted. And he has also continued to be a little bit subordinate with how he handles the, the locker room. So I think that this is something for the Mets. It's probably a good time for them to take a step back from Noah Syndergaard, reassess his situation, and we'll see where he comes out on the other side of this. In terms of their depth chart, they're actually equipped to handle this. They signed Michael Waka. They signed Rick Porcello in the offseason. You've got Seth Lugo, Robert Gesellman in the bullpen. Obviously, those guys are good bullpen pieces. You'd like to keep them in the bullpen if possible. You've also got, you've also got Edwin Diaz as well, and you hope Juris Familia comes back. So I think there's some pieces in place for the Mets to rebound from this. But in terms of their depth, I don't think it's going to affect them mentally as much as it will physically. I think mentally, Syndergaard needs a break from the Mets just as much as the Mets need a break from Syndergaard. Yeah, you know, you do outline the history that the team has had with the player. I even remember the spring training that happened in the Carrier Dome when the field conditions weren't right. It was Syndergaard was one of the Mets who were vocal about that. You know, they have had issues in that kind of area with their training staff for a long, long time. But let's spin it forward, Jared, right? Because what we're trying to do is help people win a little bit of extra cash these days, right? So, you know, in the NL East, all right, they're reasonable people could make arguments for four teams in this division. I, th I don't think there's many divisions, Jared, where the fourth choice in the division is only plus 330, right? What does that say about the competitive balance of up to four teams in the division? As I look at it right now, the Atlanta Braves are the favorite in the NL East at plus 185. The defending World Series champion Nationals are at plus 250. Then the Mets at three to one. And, you know, maybe there hasn't been enough movement for Syndergaard. You talk about their depth. They still have starting pitching out the yin-yang, everybody from the multiple-time Cy Young Award winner to DeGrom to Stroman, you know, to others who you've outlined. But they're still 3-1. to one. And then the Philadelphia Phillies have added big time over the course of the last two off-seasons at plus 330. How much of this Syndergaard move, uh, news moves the needle for you in the NL East as a whole? And if I put your feet to the fire, regardless of how many games are being played this season, who do you like in the NL East? I think it's even harder to pick the Mets and the Phillies based on uh, the situation that we're seeing with their lineups as, as, as well. I'm not as high on the Phillies uh, as other teams are. I actually think the Phillies are a sell to me. I like Joe Girardi a lot, but I, I just don't see it, the rotation. And, and you know, they're really banged up uh, at the bottom of that rotation. Uh, they've got some real big question marks. Is Arietta and, and Eflin really going to be able to finish the season as the three and four starters? Uh, even Zach Wheeler is the number two starter. I think there's some question marks there as well uh, after signing a big deal. I think Aaron Nola is a stud. I think Bryce Harper is a good player, but I don't think he is an elite level player based on the type of numbers that he's put up over the last two seasons, even though he's being paid as one of the best players in baseball. I don't think he stacks up at all compared to the Mike Trouts of the game or even the Ronald Acuna's in his own division uh, compared to the numbers that he has been putting up over the last couple of seasons, now his second season uh, in Philadelphia. On the flip side of that, man, oh man, I'm looking at the Braves' depth chart right now, and besides a little bit of inconsistency in the bullpen, I don't see a lot of holes here, Dane. Uh, this outfield is the best outfield in baseball. Osuna, Inciarte, Acuna. I mean, that is an absolute powder keg. Then you've got Johan Camargo at third. You've got Dansby Swanson, former number one pick, uh, at short. Ozzie Albies has been incredible at second. And Freddie Freeman had a near MVP season a couple years ago. So I, I think the Braves, hands down, are the best division in this, or the best team in this division. 
The rotation leaves a little something to be desired. Soroka, Fultonevich, Freed, and then you've got uh, Hamels and Felix Hernandez. We'll see what he gives you, uh, the former Mariner, as the number five starter in Atlanta. But man, oh man, this Braves team with Freddie Hernandez is ab- or Freddie Gonzalez is absolutely stacked. Their lineup is probably the best lineup in the National League besides the Dodgers, who also are incredibly stacked uh, up and down their lineup with the addition of Mookie Betts. As these things change, I'll tell you one thing that I can bet on, Jared. You and I will be here to talk about it on the grid here at SportsGrid.com. Another episode of At the Window in the Books. All right, keep following this news. We'll be here to do it with you. Stay safe out there. You know, take this stuff seriously, wash your hands, and come on back and see us tomorrow. That is, of course, if you want the edge. Have a good one, Jared. Same bat time, same bat channel, tomorrow on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? 
we're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it and that's what makes orlando unbelievably real plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com.